HEC Breakthroughs. A knowledge at HEC Podcast. Hello, I'm Daniel Brown, Chief Editor at HEC Paris. Today's Breakthroughs podcast puts the spotlight on the research of one of HEC's top academics. My name is Bertrand Quelin. I'm Professor of Strategy at HEC Paris. My research is about uh, the collaboration between private companies, public bodies in charge of cities, and the civil society, uh, well represented by uh, activists, association of citizens. So they pool their effort in order to offer solutions in order to fight the, the climate change, for example. It's part of the resilience of some cities. The city of the future is smart. It's entirely interconnected, will regulate traffic, save energy, fight crime, assisted by big data and the Internet of Things. Brave new world, or rather... This is a big, busy, bursting city. At first glance, it may seem like any other city. However, this humming, breathing urban center is dynamic, interconnected, and responsive to its residents' needs. A place where big talents want to live, it is transforming ordinary living by making Just it smarter. How smart is it your is city? city? Chances are it's getting smarter by the year. Many governments around the globe are racing to infuse technology into just about every aspect of its city's operations. And I mean every part. TV extracts from CNBC, Stefanini's YouTube channel, and Deutsche Welle. They all looked at cities which are infusing technology into all their daily operations. These smart city architectures are popping up all over the world, and Professor Bertrand Quelin has been following their developments closely for years. As the Bouygues Chair on Smart City and the Common Good, he studied the sustainable programs of six cities who have successfully invested in smart city technology. The result is a 238-page ebook which highlights aspects such as the type of partnerships between the public and private sectors, that's PPP. In a 2020 paper, Bertrand describes how this hybridization relies on three mechanisms contractual, institutional, and the ability to regularly partner up with public authorities. We'll be talking about these hybrid features in detail later. But first, Bertrand shares with us the recent evolution seeking to solidify the public-private trade-offs which are overseen by good governance. Governance, we pay attention to how to organize the relationship between public bodies and private companies. Now, the evolution of the governance could be the way to add civil society in order to be part of the decision to set up projects, especially the, the priorities, and the way the number of people to access to such uh, uh, services or facilities. If you think about uh, the evolution having more and more what we call social infrastructure, education, healthcare, the people potentially receiving the benefit can or should have the opportunity to share their opinion and to adequately influence the, the setting of project. What do you mean adequately? Uh, to be sure, for example, people living in the country will receive equivalent services compared to those living in large cities. Sometimes we deliver 
but the main focus is uh, for people living in urban environment. And sometimes the quality of, of the pipe for water, the way to provide power uh, is very different for serving small villages. So I, I would uh, coin the term multi-partner governance, and it's key. So I, I, we collectively in this paper also mentioned the organizational logics. So that's very important because we have some non-market dimension. So it means the core market-based mechanisms can't work because we don't have purchasing power. We don't have enough public resources. However, uh, we have to anticipate uh, the access of uh, pregnant women to, to healthcare, uh, kids to education. And the COVID-19 crisis have shown to us that there were big inequality uh, across countries, just in terms of access to vaccine uh, against uh, viruses. Yeah, exacerbated so, it, exactly, fact, uh, these exactly. gaps between rich and poor. Exactly, you are right, uh, Daniel, that's key. So now we need to revise when we don't have uh, ability to rely on, on uh, market-based mechanisms, how can we mix, hybrid the economic mechanisms with social objectives? For example, a mix of uh, subsidies thanks to the private uh, effort plus some uh, uh, complementary public contribution. That's the way to think about uh, hybridity and organizational logics. And then capabilities. So it's remarkable to see that many cities and countries, if we have the right numbers, uh, survive, face the, the huge wave of, of viruses with a potential lower damage. We, we don't have good numbers, but when we check, there is some inequalities across countries, even for, a, a same, for the same continent. I'm thinking about uh, Africa. So that's, that's the case. It's also the case in Asia. So how does it work? I don't know exactly yet today, but we, we might think about the quality of uh, social network based on family, first. Second, the, 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 the efficiency of informal mechanisms, people providing food, energy uh, out of the market. So this is the non-market case. When we have uh, higher efficiency thanks to the social ties, instead of having price-based mechanisms. And then, uh, we need to be cautious about that, but since we don't know exactly the right numbers, it's also telling something about the ex expecting improvement of, of data collection thanks to the public effort, because even for the... Uh, uh, 
World uh, Health Organization. It would be nice to have uh, reliability data on, on uh, the spread of the virus and the number of uh, disease uh, human being. So we, we have a sort of a black box, but at least when we uh, talk to people, sometimes it seems less damageable thanks to this social organization. HSC breakthroughs. We've only started to learn about COVID-19 and we're starting to do research on it in social and behavioral sciences. Dr. Jay Van Bavel, Associate Professor of Psychology at New York University, presenting his research to the WHO in 2020. Um, but there's not a lot of data yet and a lot of data is from individual labs. This is a new project I'm launching and I post an invitation around the globe for people to join me to understand what predicts the prevention of uh, COVID-19 around the world. And what we're hoping to do is get people from around the world to complete a set of surveys and make it publicly available. So scholars and public health experts from around the world can use it to see what are risk factors predicting uh, exposure to COVID-19, what are factors that uh, predict um, actual good public health behaviors so we can target populations and identify ways to communicate with them. Um, and so we already have one contradiction, Bertrand, that I am trying to figure out is the partnership between public and private uh, can give rise to tensions because the public sector needs to monitor, needs to supervise the private sector, where the priority is often more financial than ethical. So how do these partnerships try and cohabitate, given that there is a degree of policing, it seems? Very good uh, question and delicate to answer it. Uh, I think by nature, we have this contradiction between the key objectives, uh, an efficient uh, business model uh, should deliver some profitability to private companies. But we also learn many things about how much they start to pay attention to long-term objectives, the purposefulness, but also the ability to be considered as social actors, for sure, as private companies able to finance uh, social projects, access to education, access to uh, medical and drug uh, treatment. In terms of organization, many large companies have now efficient foundation and they hire qualified and talented people able to organize some uh, programs, aid programs or sustainable program. And we have this uh, interesting case because we have twofold. Uh, getting a partnership with public bodies in order to provide something, infrastructure, services, but in order to complement the, the process, having the foundation, collaborating with NGOs, some local public bodies, in order to help farmers to provide them new technology to know when they can use water, when they can use fertilizer, 
in order to improve the productivities, but also to secure the, the rare and scarce Uh, resources. I'm thinking about land. I'm thinking about uh, water. That's uh, an interesting uh, mix of, of objectives. And now, the traditional governance, the traditional executive, pay attention to that. Why? Because uh, the social media, the campaigns, the very uh, active uh, lobbyists, activists, put a huge pressure on, on their shoulders. And they have to explain correctly what they have done. Because if you check the profitability of the financial uh, industry in 2021, they received so huge dividend. So it's really delicate to say in 2022, we don't have money for that. So it, it would be so huge brutality, it's not affordable. So you see. So it's better to say, yes, part of this dividend has been a huge contribution fueling the foundation activity. And we have done this uh, different project in order to provide power, Uh, to help farmers or to uh, better educate or to give access uh, uh, kids to education to healthcare. Yeah, yeah. Bertrand Kela, I want to turn to the legislative side, and some countries have uh, passed laws which encourage this hybridization, protect maybe all the partners. Can you give examples of that? We have uh, working uh, paper. In progress uh, with uh, Mohamed Hosseini, a PhD student of mine. Work, Here at HEC? Yes, at HEC. A and uh, Mohamed and myself are working on what we can split in terms of uh, uh, property rights and control rights. So what does it mean? I'm the owner, I own property rights. I have some interest, but owning nothing, I can have control rights in order to claim, in order to deliver a message and to uh, fuel uh, some project and investment decision. Then, in terms of evolution of legislative uh, environment, some uh, countries put on the top of the existing procurement legislation something fully dedicated to public-private partnerships. Ghana, Canada, France, Brazil have a specific legislation, just to mention four. So what does it mean? The first result show sometimes the very strict uh, specific or specialized uh, law uh, create uh, a non-flexible framework. And investors as private company can be sometimes reluctant to see there is a lack of flexibility. You mentioned agility. It's much more in terms of managerial skills. Here it's the contractual flexibility. 
it's so well defined in terms of specific PPP law, they lose a sort of uh, uh, bargaining, but also the room to discuss exactly about how to serve the objectives. So that's very interesting because we were at the very beginning thinking, oh, it should be very efficient to add to the environment some specific legislation. But we may, we can have some counter-effect creating such demanding framework, so pushing away some private companies ready to do the job. So that's a tension and a contradiction. So we should work uh, much more, but it's uh, a first direction of our results. Bertrand, uh, recently uh, the Harvard Business Review uh, published uh, an article about how uncertainty can cause uh, loss of motivation, focus, cooperative behavior, self-control, sense of purpose, a lot of psychological dimensions, in fact, uh, which are brought up in this research. How do you respond uh, to this research on uncertainty in these modern times and its psychological impacts on the job market, for example? Until today, to my knowledge, it's not uh, totally clear. So what we can see is uh, something about uh, motivation. Uh, for sure, motivation at the executive le level, but also motivation at the uh, uh, team uh, and groups uh, level. Uh, can, can we send uh, uh, again a team to work in some uh, specific region to set up a, a solar pump somewhere? Uh, are people ready to go first? Second point, will company keep uh, as employee people who outperform, who develop talent and, and skills? It's part of the uh, new trends on the labor market. The, the, the tie between the individuals and the company and the fit and, and alignment, I would say, between the company objectives and the individual objective. It, it can be for my colleagues in HR and in organizational economics a very relevant research topic. Because if we secure the quality of ties, people, employees, team should be able to start again to deliver the, the, the best value to people who need solutions. But if they are skeptical or in a doubt about quality of alignment with the company interest, or even having some key question about their own uh, future and ready to change their job, so in that case, it can be a, a big, big uh, impact on, on the... Uh, Uh, talented teams' ability to provide uh, uh, good answers uh, and to hire, to hire uh, for, for companies. One key point is now we have a young generation paying attention to sustainability, to uh, right solution to fight uh, the climate change challenges. 
I guess it can be a key criteria for people to take the job or not. So it's also part of uh, the quality of the fit between the expectation of the company and the expected uh, profile of jobs the new generation expect to have. And that's a very delicate, and I would say my contact with people uh, working in companies, uh, they feel non in a non-comfortable position. They, they confess, sometimes we don't understand the new uh, uh, generation values, and we are very in, in adapt to attract them. And they add, if we succeed to attract them and offer a pretty attractive job, the, the, the life cycle, the long life cycle relationship between the individual and the company is over. Sometimes after two years, individuals decide to, to quit. So that's a tremendous impact on different job markets and labor markets. So I would say uh, the angle uh, I, I would pick from this uh, article in Harvard uh, Business Reviews would be about quality of alignment in terms of values and ability to attract talented people. And I'm prof in an education system. That's key because we train people so we expect having uh, the opportunity to offer them some uh, well level of sat satisfaction in order to contribute to the society because that's the key challenge. Bertrand Kélin, finally, just uh, looking forward uh, to uh, the uh, interest that you're developing and building. You talked about this work with the doctoral students here. What other research are, are you working on in terms of uh, the public-private sector partnerships, hybridization in these modern times? Oh, we, we and I have a couple of working papers in progress. I can mention one about... Uh, the uh, process to elaborate a stable governance able to satisfy different actors belonging to a community but having uh, individual interest. And, and the, the question is about can we set up some rules of governance to satisfy a good number in terms of tipping point, having a large enough community of people ready to share the same awareness to common good. So if you think about forest, suppose each individual would have part of the forest, even a simple model, just one tree. So the traditional business model is about cutting the tree after some years. So this is the individual business model to get the most after the maturity stage of the tree. Think about the community interest in order to produce a good quality of air, oxygen for all others. Can we have uh, 
the way to set up uh, governance in order to organize collectively the cutting of trees in order to renew the forest based on the understanding of each member of the community. They continue to serve both their private interests and they contribute to the common good. That's interesting paper done with uh, one of the HEC PhD student, Marc Legrand, and we are working the, on that because it's the connection between type of governance and the ability to serve the, the common good, which is very important in terms of long-term and sustainable objectives. So that's part of the uh, job we have altogether. Bertrand Kélin, thank you very much. Great pleasure, Daniel, too. Thank you very much. HEC Breakthroughs. Professor Bertrand Kélin, whose research areas are economics of organization, PPP, transaction cost economics, and much more. Bertrand and two colleagues teamed up to contribute to a special issue of Journal of Management Studies which focuses on public-private collaboration. It's well worth looking at even two years after its publication. Well, that wraps up this HEC Breakthroughs. Tune in again in September for further discussions with our school's researchers. Until then, why not look up some of our other podcasts on the Knowledge at HEC pages? And also send your questions and comments at brownd, in one word, at hec.fr. I'm Daniel Brown. Goodbye.